Well, it's now my pleasure to introduce my old friend, Charles White, who is also more widely known in the world as the Pope Max Singularity I of the Amar Empire. You had to go there, didn't you? <laughs> where he commands vast fleets of spaceships in virtual reality. But in his spare time, he's also deputy to chief knowledge officer of JPL, where he does some less interesting work. But <laughs> Charlie is also one of the pioneers of uses of virtual reality for space research technology and, and outreach and under his another alter ego known as Jeff Burns. <laughs> but I'll let him talk. All right, so I'm one of those crazy guys that has to run around. So if you hit the lights, I guess here we go. All right, let's see if my new remote works. So uh, virtual heritage in knowledge management. Uh, first off, thank you, George, and, and thank you for uh, Keck for uh, allowing me to address all of you. Uh, you know, I was told that if you give a talk at Caltech, you always have to start with an Einstein quote. So, <laughs> finally. So, uh, you've heard this word a couple times from the other speakers, experience. And so, I, I was sitting in the audience going, yes. This is great. Learning is experience, and everything else is just information. But knowledge management, that's kind of a new word. Everybody understands what project management is, because that's been going 40-some years. But knowledge management's only about 20 years old. Look, I'm kind of virtual. I'm like 3D. I'm so 3D. So knowledge management is all of this stuff. When I go to a bar or to a restaurant, and people are like, what do you do for a living? I'm like, oh, I fly spacecraft. Um, but we do it by all of these things. The social element is in here, the development, the management, communication. How do we, how do we communicate with each other? And all of this is really important. But unfortunately, knowledge is perishable. We can actually forget how to do something. And we have lost knowledge. This is an archaeological dig. Seriously. It is at the Smithsonian uh, Museum in, uh, in 2008. We were working on the, um, not the Orion, but the one before it, uh, the Constellation mission. And we, we forgot the knowledge, much of the knowledge of Apollo. And only because the Smithsonian held these artifacts that we actually conducted an archaeological dig. And it was basically a nerd Christmas for us because, because all of a sudden we had physical knowledge that we were able to regain from this. So our heritage, when it comes to knowledge management, is literally about sitting in a campfire. If you think about it, we've been sitting in front of a campfire eons before we've been sitting in front of a computer monitor. And we've been sitting around that campfire telling stories. Because storytelling was the first way to be immersed in a virtual environment. This guy says, I caught a fish this big. But the woman says, well, I caught a fish this big. And the guy says, that's not a big fish. This is a big fish. And she says, where I come from, we measure them between the eyes. 
So what did I do just right then? I told you a story. And in your mind, you saw the fish, and you saw the woman doing it, because that's how we could tell stories. I didn't need CGI. I didn't need a virtual environment. I was able just to use English, and badly uh, as such, uh, to, to describe that story. And you could see that in your mind. And so our virtual environment started on caves. 40,000 years ago and 30,000 years ago, we, we had pictures. And if you think about it, we didn't have photography for that, for that period. That's only a couple, not even 100 or 100 some years old. You know, we had hand drawings. When a painting was introduced at a museum, people would flock like they were going to a Star Wars movie because they could immerse themselves inside a painting like, like we just take for granted nowadays. But another speaker talked about fidelity. This, I'm, I'm diving into this world. And these rocks, this fidelity, these plants, this isn't on Earth. And it's not on Mars either. It's nowhere. The, everything you are seeing is 100% virtual. That is a virtual environment. This is the highest fidelity that I could find to prove to you that these environments are becoming real. That these, this is what the capability, I could put a dragon in here. I could put myself in there as an avatar, as Max Singularity, as the Pope of New Eden, or, or, or as Jet Burns from my Second Life days. But that is where our fidelity is headed towards. So where are we going into the future? This is a pilot from EVE Online. Uh, and you notice it's totally black uh, on the faceplate. It's similar to the F-35. With that helmet, she can see all of you. There are no blind spots. She can actually look behind her. She can look through her jet or through her spacecraft. She can, she can look anywhere, and she can see everything within a virtual environment. And guess what, folks? This may be coming for you in your automobiles. When you're driving, you may have this blast shield, and you'll be able to look through your car and see a virtual environment. And this is in Reykjavik, and there I am, dressed as the Pope, sorry, but <laughs> there, there I am. We're in a virtual environment. And we're training pilots to do this right now. And this is kind of a mixed reality, because they are in the virtual world, but yet they're also flying in cockpits, which really increases not just the realism, but another word we call immersion. And I just added this from lunchtime just now. This is my newest slide. Because you were talk, uh, uh, one of the speakers was talking about how it's hard to hold your hands up, and another participant talked about uh, putting their hands on a steering wheel. EVE players actually can run 22 accounts at the same time. And right here are 14 different spaceships that not only does a, a person have 3D spatial uh, awareness, they're multitasking 14 accounts at the same time. So don't underestimate the passion and the capability that some people have within these 3D environments. And this is the word I'm after, the immersion. We, uh, it was so funny, I'm sitting in the audience, everybody's talking about Avatar and everything. I'm like, well, yay. 
This is the immersive environment that we want again. And again, I pull up Einstein's quote, learning is experience. We want to experience that environment. We want to participate. And we all want to do it in mass. We want to do it together. And this is not a new idea. The dream has always been there. From the 1950s, there has always been this, uh, this uh, heritage uh, into the virtual environment. Remember, that's the title of my talk. Uh, virtual heritage and knowledge management. So this is part of our heritage in the virtual environment. But NASA is not new to virtual reality. We've been doing it since 1985 with these giant clunky 16 color, <laughs> yeah, 16 colors, was, whew, this, that was modern, uh, 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 fidelity uh, rigs at that time. And immersion plus experience is that learning how to survive, learning how to survive in, in outer space. So in knowledge management, we go all academic. And when we say academic, we say there's explicit knowledge and there's tacit knowledge. Well, explicit knowledge is how, you, how do you learn how to ride a bike? You can write a, a, read a book about riding a bike. But tacit knowledge is actually getting on the bike and falling off the curb. And that's, that's the knowledge. You need both of those uh, in order to have that knowledge. <laughs> this is our heritage. <laughs> you needed a whole crane in order to wear a virtual reality uh, headset. Uh, and now they're walking around with sunglasses, you know, like that. So we've, this is part of our heritage. But in this case, it's a shared experience. It's only two players that are, that are uh, when I say players, I'll define that in a second. But there are two people within this virtual world. Uh, Eve Online, just last week, uh, weekend, set a new record last Friday or Saturday for 6,100 human beings in the same battleground. So talk about a multi-user experience. But let's go back to the cave. This is old. Uh, this is 2000. You know, some people talked about you go back into a cave and what do you do? Because it's, it's, it's a lot safer to crash a virtual airplane than it is to crash an actual plane. So this is a, a training environment where multiple people uh, can participate. And at NASA, we created the uh, Ames Future Flight Center. And uh, this is role playing. And what I mean by role playing is the air traffic controller or the ground controller is playing it. Each pilot inside that airplane, and when I say inside, they're actually sitting in a simulator. We have two high fidelity simulators that the pilots sit inside, but not everybody gets to sit inside the cockpit. Some of them are sitting at a laptop running something like Microsoft Flight Simulator. And the, the ground controllers are controlling the traffic. The air traffic controllers are, are controlling the approach. The departure controllers are controlling the departure. And this facility has been used for the re-runway uh, design for Los Angeles International Airport. Because again, NASA, National Aeronautics, we're not just space. We're also, we're also make sure you got here safely uh, in, in aeronautics. And so this is part of role playing. And this is what we call serious gaming, because um, uh, it, it's a serious game, you know, where, where we're doing storytelling in this environment. So <laughs> I may have gotten in trouble, uh, because I, uh, at JPL, around 2006, 2008, this is where I met uh, uh, George. 
uh, was within the virtual world of Second Life. And what we did is we, there are now three uh, Earth Science Center, the Astrobiology Center, and the Mechanical Design Center that we built inside Second Life. And so this is the uh, Earth Science Center that exists in Building 264. And so since I'm a humble person, I don't like to brag about myself, I'll let Tom do it. I'm Tom Soderstrom, Chief Technology Officer for IT at JPL. And this, what you're going to see is a room that was designed uh, by Charlie White and others in the virtual world, in Second Life. So we wanted to take Second Life to First Life. And uh, all of this was visualized and designed and redesigned and changed again in Second Life by Charlie and the team. And when they presented it to the people who would make the decisions on funding, etc., they were... Uh, the discussion changed from when you saw just a blueprint to when you actually could visit it and see it. There were discussions such as, let's flip the projector this way, let us, uh, let us, uh, where are we going to store the chairs? You say, what chairs? So they, all of a sudden you realize that this would be a large room with multiple chairs and it would have multiple use. It would have 3D uh, display and Charlie was able to model it in 3D so that you could see what it would look like. He was able to ask other avatars to come in and test it out, sit in it, try it, collaborate in it. And with all that, uh, we were able to create a collaboration center that has now become a physical real center. So we had avatars coming in from Second Life, and they were just the general public. So we had a bunch of people in suits, and then I had a unicorn come in. So it's kind of so we talked about a little bit about augmented reality, and again, JPL's not new, and neither is the United States. Uh, augmented reality is a simple heads-up display, so we've been kind of doing augmented. And in 2010, we've been doing some apps around JPL. You can actually take your phone or an iPad and scan QR, and, and it tells you about that building and some of the history. And if you, if you do all of them, uh, you get a note from the director's office says, uh, you need to come up here because you've done all of these. And you, you, know, you, you go up there and you're like, oh my God, I'm sorry I wasted so much time. And they're like, here's a medal. <laughs> so they give me a medal. So that's knowledge management. And someone was talking about if we could only see the invisible realms of thermal signatures. The fact that it's not real is what helps us. One of the criticisms was it's not real. Well, if it's real, you would never see this. And so the fact that it's unreal is an actual selling point of virtual world. So what's all this mean? I gotta go really quick. Uh, we're being more efficient, uh, we're moving more critical knowledge, we're doing more activities, we're getting more value, and we are saving dollars. Uh, and as you've heard from a couple of the people here, MSL uh, had its mission, and we have less time to do more. So the capability is, is going up, and so we are reinventing our operations flow, and this is where the ops lab comes in and, and several people that are working in this field. So I'm a major fan of the ops lab. I'm the director's office, so I get the, no, or not the director's office, but the office of the chief engineer under the director. And so I get to brag about the ops lab. So uh, this is uh, Jeff Norris. Let's hear him. What if him. a scientist could stand on Mars without leaving his or her office? They could explore the Martian landscape using the same skills that they developed as a geologist on Earth. We could bring them together with their colleagues around the world within the environment that they're exploring. And what if we could put a person inside the body of a robot and let them control it as naturally as they control their own body? 
we could extend our reach into hazardous environments and control our machines more effectively than ever before. Now imagine an astronaut on the space station who's able to collaborate with an expert on Earth as naturally as if they are together. They could get more done, make fewer errors, and return more science from the greatest laboratory ever built. Now imagine a spacecraft designer studying full-scale holograms of a spacecraft years before a piece of metal is cut. They can discover and correct problems long before they could endanger a launch or a mission. We believe that all these applications will revolutionize space exploration, but I'm sorry to say that this is not our future. Nope. Because it's happening right now. You can dance, everybody, in afterlife. Uh, so that's the Ops Lab advertisement for you. Uh, it's happening now. Uh, you can go to the website. They have some awesome videos up there. You can see uh, all of these things that they're doing. I'm so proud of them. It's, uh, it's really awesome. So this literally is knowledge management. This is knowledge on the move. We are taking knowledge and, and moving. We are telling stories. Can you see what they see? Can you see what I see? Uh, that's that's, they're, they're there, they're standing around it immersed as if what they're looking at is concrete, as if it's real. And this is our new campfire. This is a shared experience and what I call not just virtual reality, I call shared reality because it's this mixed world. And we can't uninvent this. Our competitors are getting better at this, our enemies are getting better at this. We have to be good at this, or we have to be the best at this, because there's no turning back. The genie is out of the bottle. Virtual reality is here. Uh, it, as Jeff Morris says, it's happening. So now we have our heritage. We have a new campfire that we're sitting around. And so now we're gonna be telling stories in a, in a virtual world. That's virtual heritage, thank you. Thank you.